0: Hello, I'm Chrissy Parkinson. Welcome to my journey through the world of drinks without alcohol. After 18 years as head of wine for a restaurant group, I became co founder of the specialist no and no drinks consultancy Brimful Drinks. I believe that all drinks, whether they have alcohol or not, should look beautiful and taste great. If you care about low and no drinks, this podcast is for you. I am your alcohol-free sommelier. 34%. You've probably heard that number. 34% is how much the low and no alcohol market is expected to grow globally from 2019 to 2024. Very impressive. Now, consider this. The most frequent comment I hear from buyers in the UK hospitality industry is that they've never been offered any no and low products to purchase in fact the low to no alcohol report in june this year found that supermarkets are where most consumers first buy low and no drinks now that really is strange bartenders and sommeliers are usually the ones playing the main role in leading consumers to new beverages drink suppliers are usually very good at selling their portfolio so why isn't this happening I got in touch with a few distributors that I used to use when I was a buyer. It wasn't very encouraging. Most of them had no alcohol-free products in their portfolio at all. One supplier clearly did, but the customer service person couldn't tell me about them and there was nothing on the website. Another had just one product, albeit a very good one. Several suppliers do plan to add alcohol-free drinks, but simply haven't got there yet. Here's Adrian Needham of Hallgarten Novum.
1: Just given what's been going on over the last 12 months, we had a sort of programme of new things we want, you know, new wines we wanted to bring in. Um, And it's obviously been much more of a a struggle than than, than you'd have liked, just given the circumstances logistically. So I think, yeah, I mean, as much as things like that might well be on the radar, I think it's certainly one to be, you know, looking at maybe next year rather than anything we're we're focusing on at the moment. But it certainly wouldn't be off the radar, I'm sure.
0: And now, here's Françoise Mattis of Indigo Wine. No, no. So we, um, we we obviously started trading, as most wine businesses, back in April. And we found ourselves really focused on the immediate needs of our customer, uh, dealing with supply chain, which to this day is still very problematic. Uh, so that demand has been pushed back, but... No, I think we'd be foolish not to consider something that the market is clearly thirsty about. If we find the right products, yes, it's probably something we'll consider in the future. This doesn't make it easy for operators wanting to create a convincing alcohol-free offering. Back when I was at Hackersen, I remember that we had to buy from a lot of different companies. My colleague James recalls the consequences.
2: Delivery slots into central London are at a premium. So the goods in team would, you know, have a queue on any given day of vans trying to drop off supplies for both the bars and the sommeliers and the kitchens. Also, there is a cost attached. One of uh, our colleagues at Hakusan worked out that there was a, it was approximately £5 per invoice in admin costs.
0: Wow. I really didn't realize that.
2: No, I was quite surprised. I'm pretty sure it was as high as that because by the time it had passed through several hands and been processed at goods in, not to mention the time ordering and the time, you know, processing it through accounts, it was a really significant cost. Another issue was that if products were only available from disparate suppliers, All suppliers will have a minimum order. Now, achieving a minimum order when you're only getting one or two products from someone can be very difficult, especially for niche products. You'll need a longer period in between placing an order in order to achieve a minimum order. And that may lead to either products becoming temporarily out of stock or worst case scenario, you know, the temptation is to delist it.
0: As far as I can remember, the uh, high minimum drop meant we ended up having to store some of the drinks off site. And am I right? There were some issues with products going out of date as well.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that's not an issue for things like spirits as much as it is for non al there's, there's a number of issues. It's You know, it's desirable to get as many products as you can from as few suppliers as possible. And, you know, we were fortunate and we also had really great relationships with our wholesalers and we were able to, you know, convince them to, to stock some unusual products for us in order to deliver the orchard lists. But, you know, that's not going to be the case for most restaurants or hotels or any other operation. There will be pressures to uh, limit the number of suppliers.
0: Another problem, of course, is that a lot of hospitality businesses have limits on how many suppliers the beverage team is allowed to use. That becomes a major issue when you find a great product, but the only option is to buy it directly from the producer. The pandemic set back a lot of plans, but not everyone had a bad lockdown. Here's what happened to Tom Proctor.
1: I think during the First lockdown in the UK, I think restaurants in Wales were still allowed to be opened, uh, but they weren't allowed to sell alcohol. And we had fun, literally, if we was on the phone 10, 12 hours a day, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me with restaurants and bar owners going, what can I do? Like, what can I serve? What's nice?
0: Tom is the director of the Alcohol-Free Company. It's a fairly new type of drink supplier. Tom doesn't sell alcohol at all and he trades entirely online, mainly D2C. Other similar companies in the UK include Dry Drinker and Wise Bartender. These online businesses were created to target consumers, but they're realising there's another opportunity, the hospitality industry. Here's Tom again.
1: There's three elements that we do. So it's direct to consumer, we export, and then we deal with trade in the UK. So that's obviously on sale, off sale. Exports fine because a lot of the brands have got brand awareness and people are specifically looking for them drinks. So they come to us, it's nice and easy. Again, with consumers, they're generally looking for a specific sort of drink. Whereas trade, they know that they need products, but they don't really know what, they don't know how. I don't think sometimes that they know where to go to get the right products and the right help. Some ask us our advice. What do we sell a lot of? What do we think tastes nice? We arrange for samples to be sent out and draft like sort of menu ideas and cocktails. And they tend to see that there's a need for non-alcoholic wines. And that leads in with the beers and the spirits as well. And they want to make a bit of an effort and they want to do nice cocktails for the trade. There's great margin to be had on it.
0: I asked Tom if this was changing his business model at all. Yeah,
1: I mean, we plan on changing the way we work it next year. Um, We've got some more interviews tomorrow and Thursday, just to basically bring someone into the fold to help us with that transition and, and manage our trade customers a bit more.
0: After the break, Daniel Stiller from Better Roads. I'd like to say a big thank you to Nine Elms, our sponsor for this episode. Nine Elms number 18, Ruby Velvin is an excellent new type of non alk drink that works equally well as an aperitif or with a meal. It has lovely red fruit and herbaceous flavors, reminiscent of a dry red vermouth. There's real complexity too, so it's an ideal match for many different foods. Nine Elms Ruby also works as a vibrant and refreshing spritz served on ice with a splash of tonic. Online no and low specialists supplying the on-trade are not just a UK phenomenon. I asked Daniel Stiller of Connecticut-based Better Roads to talk us through his business.
3: Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Daniel Stiller, and I'm the CEO of Better Roads. And we are a direct consumer online marketplace uh, for non-alcoholic and alcohol-free beverages in the United States, and soon to be launched in Canada as well. We knew there were a lot of great producers out there, but somehow they weren't getting connected. Uh, The major retailers weren't picking up the the banner uh, because they would have to displace something else on their shelf. There wasn't really a place in in the standard uh, setup of of a total wine or or of a traditional retailer to celebrate alcohol-free. So there was this demand to bring together producers and these uh, these customers out there, we tried to create a solution for that. We're entirely online. We sell across the country, but online. And we've started to wholesale and enter that wholesale market uh, because there's a lot of uh, restaurants, a lot of hospitality that's looking for uh, an easy solution to this growing al- demand around alcohol-free. It is very much a different customer and also a high education piece as well. We have to make it very easy for them it's very much a different model, but it's that one-to-many uh, opportunity that we have. And that's a part of our business that we're going to continue to expand. Uh, we've, we've seen some of that pushback uh, as opposed to the consumer where they're willing to take a flyer and, and try something different. But we, we've seen that, the pushback from the hospitality industry. So I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity, but recognize that, that it is, it's definitely a challenge.
0: Dan made some interesting comments about new types of drink and how bars and restaurants don't always show much enthusiasm for them.
3: For our customers on the website especially, it's a very analogue relationship. I usually drink red wine. Here's an alcohol-free red wine. We see that with the spirit industry as well. I usually drink tequila. Here's an alcohol-free tequila. But what I get excited about is these new flavors, these new approaches. And we've seen that with Three Spirits, with Bond Buzz, all these great functional drinks and this kind of better for you, a new approach, a completely new approach to uh, distilled products. And I get really excited about that. I will tell you, it's a much harder sale because it's so easy for our customers to say, I like this, I want the alternative to it. We've found and the feedback we've gotten from bartenders is, they like to experiment with new things. And then on the hospitality side, when it comes to wine, they don't want to experiment with new things, but when it comes to actually creating a cocktail, they want to. So it's uh, it's an interesting conundrum where I see the growth in the industry being in this these kind of better than versions of products, as opposed to just these um, kind of analog replications of products.
0: A huge thank you to Daniel, Tom, Francoise and Adrian. And of course, James. In the next episode, I'll be talking to Beth and Wallace Higson of Mother Root about switchel and why vinegar matters. Until then, let's hand back to Dan Stiller for the last word. This
3: is the only business I've ever been in where we've had emails from customers telling us that we have literally saved their lives. And like that to me is incredibly exciting and empowering and tells us that that we're, we're doing we're doing the right thing. We're speaking to the right people, and we've had success. We we will this month. We'll pass over the million dollar mark in revenue.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please follow or subscribe to the Alcohol Free Somalia on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Chrissy Parkinson. Goodbye from me, and whatever your drink, drink well.